Hello and welcome to the Independent Minds, a series of conversations between Abbasida and people who think outside the box about how work works, with the aim of creating better workplace experiences for everyone. I am your host, Michael Millward, the Managing Director of Abbasida. Today I am joined by Sydney Samuels, the founder of Loop Not Luck. Hello, Sydney. Hi, Michael. How's it going? It's going very well. Thank you very much. I hope you can say the same. Yeah, been a busy day, but every day is. So yeah, all good. Good, good. Pleased to hear it. Please, could we start by you telling us a little bit about Sydney Samuels? Yeah, of course. I am 26 at the moment. I grew up in Nunhead, Peckham, South London. I've always been quite entrepreneurial. So when I was 11, I put in my application to go on to Dragon's Den, as you do as an 11-year-old. <laughs> um, and they did a kid's version of Dragon's Den. And Peter Jones actually invested in my first company slash idea, um, which was my first kind of experience right. with entrepreneurship. So when I was raising our first round of capital for Loop Not Luck, I kind of... Um, put the joke out there that I'm a previously funded founder. <laughs> Just, uh... <laughs> it's true. It is true. It is, it true. is true. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so went through traditional kind of um, state funded education, um, studied English and philosophy at the University of Sheffield. And it was really in my second year of university um, that the problem that Luke McLuck is now the solution for arose. Um, and yeah, that's kind of a quick whistle-stop tour of my life so far. So did you go straight from university into Loop Not Luck? No. So the problem that I was facing in my second year at university, I decided that I wanted to pursue a career in financial services just because it kind of ticked the initial boxes of what I wanted, which was to earn some some good money at, and to have a challenge. Applied for over 30 different summer internships and was rejected from all of them without ever really speaking to a, a real person. And it was only when I accidentally networked with somebody who worked at a Japanese investment bank that I was able to be introduced to the head of early careers. And um, she gave me her card and told me to apply for the graduate scheme. In my final year, it was the only one I applied for and I managed to get it. And those two experiences, one where I was just knocking at the front door, trying to get noticed in amongst thousands of other applicants versus when I knew someone who knew someone um, were completely different. So I wanted to try and level the playing field a little bit with from that experience by creating a platform where underrepresented talent could get access to opportunities at companies who were genuinely looking to find them and deliver on diversity. So you've given us a hint there about what loop not luck is but i'm going to ask you about the name first i want to know what's the story behind the name yeah so every, it does kind of um raise a few eyebrows because it's not like your typical kind of tech startup name i was actually really interested in a company called what three words at that point in time when we were naming it i found it really interesting that they obviously had a different kind of name and it really made me that's what made me look into the company in the beginning and I went to a virgin startup masterclass branding session I think just to really try and work out the brand of of the idea that I had and they gave us like one piece of homework and that was to come up with a phrase that encapsulates the mission of your of your business and that a lot of stories that you hear about how people kind of started to build their career was 
kind of by luck or serendipity, they ran into the right person or they had this neighbor or they were introduced to somebody. And it's about kind of, I think luck is a big part of of career and, and life in general. So I don't want to discredit it, but I think that it shouldn't be the only thing that we rely on when it comes to things like improving diversity within your organization or getting that first all important step on the career ladder. So it was about kind of getting in the loop and not leaving it to luck. And I was on the train home. It was a really packed train. And I asked this couple who were just clearly in love and in their own little world, if I could ask them a few questions and got some <laughs> customer research there on the on the train and asked them what they, when I said this phrase, what came to their minds and all of the things that they said were really the the concepts that I wanted to to underpin the business so yeah I decided to blend it and came up with loop not luck which I which I've come to love great it's a bit of a tongue twister but I love it I think it's a great name for an organization and the fact that you like spoke to strangers on the train and asked them for their feedback um, sums up why it's a good idea let's investigate the, the problem that you were trying to resolve a little bit more and that is that organizations are not very diverse especially at the early stages of someone's career and getting that first opportunity in an organization that is outside of any of the organizations that someone that you know works in can be part of the challenge that people face. Yeah, sure. So the the stats around it are that around 85% of jobs are filled through networking. That's crazy when you actually think about it. And a lot of jobs aren't necessarily even publicized. It's kind of just shared within circles. And I do understand the reassurance that comes with that personal kind of testimonial reference from somebody who already works in the organization or can vouch for someone and that's how I kind of got my foot in the door I had someone who vouched for me with someone else and then someone else who met me and had that additional context to go alongside my application for candidates who who don't have that network to tap into who don't have any nepotism (laughs) that's kind of in their corner that's been kind of generated it's 10 times harder because you're you're going up against thousands and thousands of people and that is the job market to some degree but I think it's a it's a two-sided thing it's about companies reviewing their policies and seeing actually are we hiring more of the same type of people that come from the same schools the same backgrounds the same lived experiences and are we losing something in our talent pool in the community that we're creating by doing that and if so we should open up other avenues and doors to be able to attract and retain talent from different backgrounds who are just as capable, just as talented, but don't have that network or existing connection to to leverage to be able to demonstrate the value that they could bring. And then it's on the other side with the candidate, making sure that they're firstly, they're aware of the opportunities that are available and suitable for them, but then also that they're kind of trained up and confident because there's a lot that you kind of absorb when your networking community are in those spaces just news and like lingo and and things that we kind of take for granted at the moment the problem that you're addressing for an from an employer's perspective then is that they they take the easy route as you know i'm an hr person i've been doing hr for a long time if you have the opportunity to recruit somebody and recruit them quickly what you're doing is opening up that that networking to expand the the pool in which people who are recruiting early career individuals from can actually fish in so that you increase the number of fish in the pond that people can actually uh, recruit from 
and you'll end up with a more diverse workforce. From the individual person who's seeking a job opportunity, you are opening up that network to them. Yeah, exactly. It's about streamlining the process on both sides because I think a lot of HR, talent acquisition, recruitment professionals feel like if they do kind of prioritise diversity, one, you might get lower quality talent, especially in the early career stage. That's I found that that's not the case, if not demonstrable kind of career experience that you can put on your CV. But when you've not necessarily had a, a career path and a plan laid out for you, for you to get to that stage, there are a lot of additional hurdles that somebody might have needed to follow. So it's about those professionals understanding kind of what are the right questions to ask people to be able to see the real talent and skills that they're able to bring from their life experiences into the workplace. And on the candidate side, it's about matching candidates from underrepresented backgrounds with employers who genuinely want to deliver on diversity, because there's no point being hired into a company if actually it's just a token gesture and the culture and the strategy and the organisation itself isn't set up for people from different backgrounds to be able to be heard, seen, thrive, develop and really contribute. The issue is that a lot of recruitment is done via referrals, introductions, who you know, rather than what you know. And you are breaking down those barriers. So you're building networks for people. How do you do it? How do you, how do you build the access for people? How we're solving the problem of actually connecting talent to opportunity is through the the portal and the platform that we've built. So when candidates sign up, we collect over 125 different data points on that particular candidate. That's then cross-referenced with the company profile and also all of the roles that we have on the platform to be able to give them a, a streamlined match of kind of ideal opportunities for them. So not just based on, okay, you've studied this degree, so we're going to match you up with this very kind of obvious um, role but actually what are your values what type of organization do you want to work for what are your what skills have you identified as your as your top skills what experience do you have that might relate to this particular position even if it's in a different industry and looking at similar candidate fingerprints and candidate profiles and seeing how they've performed with different matches to actually give candidates the best recommendation of opportunities to feed their job hunt process so that they can apply for the ones that are most suited to them at companies that are looking to hire them. And when you get fewer and more thoughtful applications from candidates from a recruitment perspective, you're not inundated with hundreds of CVs that you have to sift through and you can get that high quality, diverse talent in. So it's about streamlining the process on both the candidate and hiring manager side. And 125 different data points about every candidate it gives you a huge range of information in order to start matching people with potential opportunities 125 it is much more than a traditional manual recruitment process with your trustee HR manager would ever really consider. Yeah, exactly. And we're living in a world where data is is only going to become more important and for us to be able to create a scalable product that's cost effective for both the company or the the budget that you've got for marketing that particular role and then also to ensure that it's always free to candidates 
um, we've got we've got to be able to optimize it, and the best way to do that is through data. What sort of stage is Loop Not Luck at at the moment? So Loop Not Luck is at a transitional stage, and I feel like a lot of startup businesses are always in some sort of transition. So we started in well, I, I kind of went full time on the business in May 2021. We've closed our first round of investment, so just under a quarter of a million from different high net worth angel investors. And started to bring on board some really exciting companies like The Economist Group, Pip and Nut, like a lot of different brands. So we're industry agnostic. And yeah, it's an exciting time. So we've we've got the product and now it's just about scaling it and getting that market adoption. You've got some interesting companies that you're working with. What sort of successes have you experienced with candidates? So we've got some really interesting testimonials. And especially when you're in the early stages, you kind of prepare yourself for saying, oh, this is not working, this is broken. But I feel like a lot of the companies who are, who've joined us early on in this journey are so invested in helping to see this kind of, this product evolve and improve. So loads of engagement from customers in terms of recommending features and, and different things within the product, which has helped us to scale dramatically. Obviously, the, the biggest success is candidates being hired and 85% of the roles that are posted on Loop Not Luck, a, a Loop Not Luck candidate ends up being hired. That's a stat that I want to keep improving. An 85% success rate with your candidates is an impressive success rate by any assessment. I think the reason we've been able to achieve that is because of the way in which we acquire our talent. It's not kind of traditional social media kind of sponsored adverts. We have built a pipeline of talent into our kind of database and into our sign up process with over 50 different organisations across the UK. So these are boot camps that focus on training candidates up in particular, high in demand skills. These are alumni networks, universities, schools, churches, mosques, community groups, and actually embedding ourselves from a grassroots perspective within these underrepresented communities so that we have somewhat of an exclusive access to talent. Companies are able to benefit from our economies of scale and the relationships that we've built across the UK and really tap into lots of hidden gems within our talent pool. With my HR hat on, which I wear most of the time, I must admit, that is one of the big challenges that we face is we can put a job advertisement on all sorts of different job boards and still end up with the same candidates as we've always had. And it's nobody's fault, but one of the things that can be very interesting is people's perceptions of industries, of organisations within industries, can actually stop them from applying for a role within that organisation or that industry. And it's there's all sorts of perceptions that need to be overcome both by employers and candidates as well if we're ever going to get to the situation where we have more diversity across so many different industries and and getting people into those jobs is about breaking down those perceptions. It sounds like the network of organizations that you're working with is is actually helping you before anybody even applies to give people a different perspective on what might actually be possible for them as a career. Yeah, so there are, there are a few different things at play here. So one, it's the wider education and context around those industries from an early careers perspective. Lots of young people might not even know kind of really what that industry does. And it's and it's very, very scary. So they kind of dismiss it anyway. If they have taken the initiative to kind of find out about the different companies and roles and opportunities and how that particular industry is planning on growing and the impact that it has. And they've decided that they want to work in that kind of area. 
once they've found the, the, the type of job that they want to do, the next question is, will I fit in at this company? Where organisations market their, their job roles is really important in terms of the type of talent that you're looking to attract. If you post on a kind of on a jobs board that, that focuses on women, then it's proactively indicating to the applicant that you're looking to, to hire more women. And for Loop Not Luck, um, that's exactly what posting on on the platform does. It encourages candidates to kind of have a bit more confidence that this is an employer that genuinely values diversity because they're proactively posting on Loop Not Luck to to find that talent. So it kind of says it without necessarily having to say it. Uh, And then obviously something that's been discussed a lot and there's been a lot of progress in this area, but it's, it's the actual job descriptions and requirements for those particular roles. So do you actually need a first in that particular degree for someone to be eligible for this role? Or is there a little bit kind of more training that you could do for the right person with the right potential and capabilities? So it's having those conversations, making the job the, requ- the required skills and experience on the job, like genuinely it, need, it's requ- it needs to be required and focusing a lot more on the the potential, the values, the the skills that that candidate's been able to develop. This is one of the things that I say when I'm doing talks in schools to people who are approaching leaving school, that as a recruiter and HR person, I am going to look at your qualifications and decide whether to invite you into the room. The people who are going to be invited in first are those people who can show me that they are more than simply their qualifications, that they have hobbies, that they volunteer, that they're involved in. Like you, an 11-year-old being on Junior Dragon's Den and getting an investment, they've done things that go beyond their qualifications and have experiences of leading a life that is not just education and qualifications. And the reason for that is that that's where you get your soft skills. That's what, that is what is going to make you an interesting person to work alongside. Exactly. And and it's about looking at it from all different perspectives, right? So maybe you have like additional home responsibilities. Maybe you're a carer, or you, you look after younger siblings or something like that. There are, there are a ton of skills that are developed through, through that in terms of resilience, leadership, all of these other things that might not necessarily be something that you'd put on your CV. But when you create a... A recruitment process where people are able to identify those as skills but then also feel comfortable enough to be able to communicate that that's where you really see what might be hidden and where you might be losing out on great candidates yes i totally agree with you sydney that experience of being a carer of looking after siblings of looking after relatives who need care alongside being a kid being a young person being a student is something that very often gets overlooked but is something which prepares you for the world of work and gives gives you the skills that you need to manage other people. Communication, leadership, organisation, there's so many things that come into these these additional things that young people might just think, oh, this is something I just do. And yeah, I th- I'm, a, I'm a big fan of having those extracurriculars, whatever they are, and, and really amplifying those on your applications and CV as, as evidence, especially in the early career stage where you don't have a 10-year kind of work history to rely on to evidence your abilities. That's very true. Your early career applications are all about showing your potential. And one of the questions I always ask graduates and school leavers is, you know, what will the organisation that you are leaving miss most about you? It's just a way of asking someone 
what contribution did you make to the life of the education establishment that you are leaving that they will miss because you are no longer there? What's the best answer that you've got to that question? There was a chap called Oliver who was leaving school. He wanted to take a year out and actually gain some work experience before he went to university. So I'd asked him the question, what is your school going to miss most about you? And he said, I think they'll miss the way in which I helped other people more than anything else. And then he gave me a list of activities that he'd been involved in, whether that was helping children in their first year in secondary school uh, catch up in English and maths, whether it was organising events, parties, whether for the sixth formers or lower down the school, the mentoring that he'd done of pupils as they were coming up during their uh, GCSEs, and the, the work that he'd done supporting children who had experience of the care system and helping to make sure that they had someone to help them with their homework. That would probably be the best answer to that question that I think I've heard. That's amazing. He was an amazing chap and he's gone on to have a, a great career. Listening to you talk, I'm reminded of how when I was growing up, I would hear people saying, I'm the first member of my family to go to university. But what I'm thinking now is that with loop, not luck, what we should be thinking about is how many times will we hear somebody say, I am the first person in my family to, to work in this industry. The social mobility that you should be able to facilitate through loop, not luck is endless, isn't it? We underestimate how important our jobs and careers are when it comes to social mobility. When we reduce those barriers to, to entry, especially at those early stages where there's not much that necessarily differentiates people apart from their network, that is when the playing field is the most level. So people should have equal access to those opportunities at those early stages. And I feel like that's really what's going to be able to shift the needle. It sounds great. Where can people find out more information about Loop Not Look? You can go to our website, L-O-O-P-N-O-T-L-U-C-K.com. We're obviously on all of the socials, LinkedIn, our Instagram and Twitter is more candidate focused, but have a have a peruse on there and obviously give us a follow. You can find me, I'm on LinkedIn as Sydney Samuels. LoopNotLook.com is the website across all of the socials as well, and especially LinkedIn. It's really very interesting. I wish you the best of luck with loopnotluck.com. And thank you very much, Sydney. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. I had a great time. Um, thanks for having me. Pleasure. Thank you. And thank you to you for listening to The Independent Minds. I am Michael Millward, Managing Director of Abbasida, and I have been having a conversation with the independent mind, Sydney Samuels, the founder of recruitment website Loop Not Luck. You can find out more about both of us at abbasida.co.uk. There is a link in the description. If you have liked this edition of The Independent Minds, please give it a like and download it so you can listen to it whenever you wish. To ensure you don't miss out on future editions, please subscribe. And remember, as always, the aim of all the podcasts produced by Abbasida is not to tell you what to think, but we do hope to make you think. Thank you.